the latest threat to oceans, face masks and gloves. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. The U.S. Supreme Court announced a decision last week about water contamination, and the big winners were the environment and science. In a 6-3 to three decision, the high court ruled that polluters can't dump contaminants into groundwater, which then end up in protected waters like rivers or oceans. Dumping pollutants directly into navigable waters is prohibited by the Clean Water Act, but it is less clear about pollution that begins before reaching those waters. The case has national implications, even though it was focused on a Hawaii water treatment facility in Maui County. Environmentalists claim that the plant needed federal permits to inject wastewater into the ground because it migrates to the Pacific Ocean, where it pollutes beaches and causes algal blooms in a nearby reef. Maui County and the Trump administration said the pollution's indirect path to the ocean put it beyond the scope of the Clean Water Act, but the court said that dumping into the ground can be the functional equivalent equivalent of a direct discharge into protected waters. The ruling has big implications for the Environmental Protection Agency, which had said that pollution that moves through groundwater before reaching federal waters is not subject to the law. The Supreme Court rejected the EPA's approach, saying it would open a loophole to evade the Clean Water Act. The coronavirus pandemic is causing a shortage of carbon dioxide gas, which is used in food production, water treatment, and putting the fizz in some beers and popular drinks. The situation is so serious that a coalition of food industry groups wrote to Vice President Mike Pence to ask for government intervention. CO2 is used in the processing, packaging, and shipping of many foods and in the healthcare industry. And the brewing and beverage industries use the chemical for carbonization. And many water treatment systems use carbon dioxide to lower the pH value to make water softer. The shortage of CO2 is a result of ethanol plants shutting down. Ethanol is used as a gasoline additive, and producing it creates the carbon dioxide, which is then sold to industry. But now, because driving has dropped during stay-at-home orders, many ethanol plants have idled, creating the shortage of CO2. Also, according to The Guardian, the Trump administration exempted some gasoline manufacturers from using the additive. Farmers in Colorado and California who rely on snowmelt to help irrigate their crops will be among the world's hardest hit by climate change. A new study set out to determine where irrigated agriculture has depended on snowmelt runoff in the past and the potential effect of a warming climate on farmers. The authors conclude that a 4 degrees Celsius warming scenario could significantly reduce the amount of water from snowmelt. In California's San Joaquin Basin, findings suggest that 14% of irrigation water must be met by new alternative sources. In the Colorado River Basin, the figure would be 9%. The Colorado River supplies water for 90% of the nation's winter vegetable production and even now is overallocated. Other places where agriculture is at particular risk are located in southern Europe, western China, and central Asia. The coronavirus is nearly everywhere in the world, and so are discarded masks and gloves used to protect us against it. From Hong Kong and San Francisco to London and a Greek island, 
Gloves, masks, and sanitizer bottles are being dropped in parks, on sidewalks, and in streets. Much of it is plastic. The used-up protective gear gets into sewers and washes into waterways in the sea, where fish, marine animals, and seabirds can ingest it. Sustainable practices may take a back seat in times of crisis. Forbes reports that some in the plastics industry are taking advantage of the coronavirus to roll back environmental protections, claiming safety requires providing single-use plastic bags. Many grocery stores have forbidden shoppers from bringing their own reusable bags, and some are handing out plastic ones instead. However, others are addressing the mounting waste by making some gear reusable instead of single-use. Ford is producing personal protective gowns from airbags that can be washed up to 50 times, and the University of Nebraska is testing ultraviolet light to decontaminate medical masks. According to the Washington Post, officials in some communities are actively monitoring store parking lots and ticketing people who drop used masks and gloves on the ground. In Swampscott, Massachusetts, littering is punishable by a fine of up to $5,500. The department said that littering is making more work and worry for those who have to pick it up. And finally, speaking of plastic pollution, a scuba diving group is turning trash into treasure by collecting water bottles that once choked our oceans and turning them into face masks to better protect against COVID-19. CNN reports that the Professional Association of Diving Instructors, in partnership with Rasher, a company that sells eco-friendly activewear, are recycling ocean plastic to protect both the oceans and public health. The double-layered masks come in five different designs based on marine life, such as whale sharks, manta rays, and great white sharks, and are machine washable. They include five carbon-activated filters, which work for up to eight hours each. The filters are not medical grade. The World Health Organization advises that equipment like N95 masks should be reserved for healthcare workers given global shortages. Also, the masks are not a replacement for other protective measures like social distancing and hand washing. The SCUBA organization says that based on current orders, the masks have helped remove nearly 1,300 pounds of ocean waste. Our coverage of COVID-19 and water is made possible by you, the H2O Radio listener. Please sustain our reporting by donating at h2oradio.org and thank you.